The following is a message by Dr. Stephen Baugh of Westminster Seminary, California. For more information about this message or about Westminster Seminary, please visit us online at www.wscal.edu or call us at 888-480-8474. That's online at www.wscal.edu or call us at 888-480-8474. Please take your Bibles and turn to Isaiah 65 as we prepare to read our text in Mark. But I'd like to read this passage in Isaiah 65, verses 1 through 7. Isaiah 65, 1 through 7. Hear the word of the Lord. I was ready to be sought by those who did not ask for me. I was ready to be found by those who did not seek me. I said, Here am I, here am I, to a nation that has not called my, on my name. I spread out my hands all the day to a rebellious people who walk in a way that is not good, following their own devices, a people who provoke me to my face continually, sacrificing in gardens and making offerings on bricks, who sit in tombs and spend the night in secret places, who eat pig's flesh and broth of tainted meat is in their vessels, who say, keep to yourself, do not come near me, for I am too holy for you. These are smoke in my nostrils, a fire that burns all the day. Behold, it is written before me, I will not keep silent, but I will repay. I will indeed repay into their bosom both your iniquities and your father's iniquities together, says the Lord. Because they made offerings on the mountains and insulted me on the hills, I will measure into their bosom payment for their former deeds. Now turn, please, to Mark. Again, reading verses that are preparing us for our passage, we'll turn first to Mark chapter 1, reading verses 21 through 28. Mark 1, 21. And they came into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. Now skipping down to verse 32. That evening at sundown they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons, and the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. Now chapter 3, verses 22 to 30. Chapter 3, 22. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, He is possessed by Beelzebul, and by the prince of demons he casts out the demons. And he, he called them, to him, and he said to them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. 
And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but is coming to an end. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. Then indeed he may plunder his house. Now our passage, Mark 5, beginning with verse 1. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him any more, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and bruising himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send him out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. And the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and were drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country. And people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion, sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. Well, it's obvious I read a lot of verses here in preparation for our passage. As you know, the uh, faculty is uh, giving meditation through uh, the life and work of Jesus in the Gospel of Mark, and this is our passage in chapter 5, the so-called Gerasene or uh, Gadarene demoniac. What is remarkable about this passage, uh, first of all, a number of uh, things, but first of all, notice how long it is. We have 20 verses uh, on this whole episode, and uh, interestingly, Matthew only has seven verses, Uh, And Luke has 14, so Mark is the longest uh, description of this episode, which is most remarkable when you consider, for example, the temptation of Jesus in the Gospels. Mark has two verses, Matthew has 11, and Luke has 13. So you don't really want to always be counting verses, but it does show the relative weight that that Mark places on this episode. This is really a rather luxurious description of an episode in Mark chapter 5. It's only paralleled really by the second half of Mark 5, 
where you have the healing of Jairus' daughter and then the woman with the flow from verses 21 to 43, the rest of the chapter. So these two rather long episodes are pretty important in Mark's gospel as displaying something uh, of real importance. Now what's also remarkable when we look at this passage initially is just how relatively silent Jesus is. How he, in fact, is almost in the background in a sense, and yet he's obviously the central figure. Notice how, as it opens up, Jesus just goes across the uh, Sea of Galilee. They'd been in Capernaum in the uh, northwest corner of the uh, Sea of Galilee. And then they went across, really, to the uh, southeast corner, uh, which is where this uh, episode takes place. Uh, And how Jesus really is relatively, you know, almost... uh, things just happen around him. For example, uh, he steps out of the boat and then he, uh, these, uh, this demoniac and the demons encounter him, this military term, as we'll see. Uh, Even later on, uh, that's repeated how the man rushed up to him and knelt before Jesus. In other words, he didn't seek him out. Jesus isn't, uh, uh, he's initiating all this, but things happen around him. Notice how the demons are uh, speaking, and they actually get a number of words here. Their speech is longer than what Jesus says in the whole episode. Uh, And also look at how he crafts the narrative in verses 7 and 8. The demons are speaking, what have you to do with us, with me, Jesus, Son of God Most High, I adjure you. And then Mark places Jesus' words after that, verse 8, for he was saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. In other words, the initiation appears to be the demons. They speak first, even though Jesus had already been speaking, and Mark tells us that later. Uh, The point is, as we see also elsewhere in verses 7 and 8 and 13, uh, Jesus has been uh, speaking, but Mark puts uh, puts Jesus really in the background, as it were. Look at verse 13. Jesus uh, doesn't even say anything to the demons. He just... Mark just says, he gave them permission. Uh, It's really the demons who do all the talking. Now, uh, as you reflect upon this, uh, there are two things that result, uh, that that really give you uh, the reason why Mark puts it this way. First of all, see that Jesus has been initiating the whole episode. He went intentionally across the Sea of Galilee. It says in chapter 4, verses 35, on that day when evening had come, he said to them, let's go across to the other side. In other words, Jesus had a plan. He wanted to go there. He didn't, it wasn't just accidental. And there was quite a crowd that had been gathering and he'd been teaching them up in the Capernaum area. So he had every reason to stay where he was on the western side of the Sea of Galilee, but he intentionally goes across. So this is an intentional uh, action of Jesus. He knows what he's doing. And, uh, And he is obviously in control of the whole situation. What's remarkable is he doesn't, uh, you know, for exorcism, as you would expect if you were an ancient, he doesn't use any incantations. He does not call upon the name of the Lord in order to uh, perform this exorcism. It says he gave them permission. Jesus himself gave the demons permission. He originated the authority Uh, to uh, allow what would happen to the demons. 
He is in control. He is the Lord himself. That's comes, this comes out also. Go home and to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. So he went out and told them how much Jesus had done for him. In uh, Luke's account, it says, go home and tell how much God has done for you. And he went out and said how much Jesus had done for him. You see, this is one in control. This is a mighty one. This is a strong man, a mighty man, as you would say, uh, from our Isaiah passage and from the passage we read earlier. This is one who is uh, bringing judgment. Secondly, the other thing to look at from how this is described is really we see things from the perspective of the participants, of the people around. We're really an observer. Mark has put us in the observation seat of being one of those people and how it would appear to us, you know, and particularly the mysterious character of all that's happening. Uh, And it leaves us pondering just who is this that we're dealing with, which is a major question in Mark's gospel. Yes, Jesus had a purpose in coming here. He has intentionally come here because, and this is where we're going next, When you look at this passage carefully, you see that this really is an invasion. Jesus is is establishing a bridgehead. Jesus has gone here because he is executing his royal invasion of redemptive judgment. In the the whole question of redemptive judgment, the whole issue of what God is going to do, as we saw in the Isaiah passage also, You know, you look at that passage, it's just a little bit of a big sequence of revelation from God that when he comes, he is going to judge his enemies and redeem his people. He is going to extend his mercy by uh, breaking the chains and those who have crafted the chains on his people. And that's exactly what's happening here. Jesus has gone into the strong man's house and he is binding the strong man. It's interesting how in Mark, you have these things come out, that this is a military action, and this is a fight between the mighty men. Uh, For example, this word encounter in verse 2, when Jesus has stepped out of the boat immediately, there met him. This is not the ordinary word for meeting somebody. This is a military term. It's an encounter. Uh, one of the most prominent places this appears is when Jesus says, now what king is there who, when he wants to go out to encounter an enemy, doesn't count the cost of the battle? Uh, And there is actually military terminology implied in that term. Uh, Also, uh, the way Mark puts this in verse 4, our version actually uh, brings that out. No one had the strength to subdue him. This is not the ordinary way of saying no one could subdue him. It refers back to chapter 3 and the strength, the mighty man. Who can bind the strong man except someone mightier and stronger? Well, this man had, and Mark, you know, gives this pretty lavish description for him. He spends three verses on this. This is a big issue for Mark. This is part of why you want to look at how long this section is. What is he accenting? He's accenting the fact that no one was mighty enough to bind this man. Now, when you think about it, you might expect Jesus to come and bind this guy. 
You might expect Jesus to display his strength by forging chains which can uh, bind this guy, this demoniac. Because that's what they've been trying to do. People have been trying to tie up this guy. And Jesus releases him. Because he's come to do that. His fight is a fight of freedom for his people. To redeem them. But he does bind others. And you've you know, noticed this legion military term. About 2,000 Roman soldiers sometimes. It varied. There's no way to really predict how big a legion is. But it could be 2,000. And you have 2,000 pigs who march in a herd. You know, when pigs get scared, they scatter. <laughs> These pigs don't scatter. It, you know, they march in rank, as it were. They run in rank. It's a quick march. <laughs> and they go right over the cliff into the sea and are drowned. This is a judgment. This is a fight with legion, and legion loses. See, this is why the description of Jesus is so interesting. He just has a word, and that's it. The fight's over. Just his presence, the son of the most high God, as they confess, just his presence here provokes the fight, and they are immediately lost. Legion has lost, and his son, whom Jesus had come to free, is freed. Finally, notice that Jesus' redemptive judgment has different effects. Upon legion, the effect is obvious. Upon this man, freedom. You see this in all the begging going on. The demons beg in verse 12. The demoniac healed begs to stay with Jesus, verse 18. But notice also the people around. Their response to Jesus is to beg him to leave. And really the saddest part of this whole narrative is they beg him to leave and he leaves. That too is judgment, brothers and sisters. This is, this is the response to the gospel. This is the response to Jesus, begging one way or the other. Begging for mercy because you know judgment is coming. Begging to praise the Lord. Begging to stay with him because that's what we want to do when we're freed by him. But for some people, it's begging that he would just go away and leave them alone with their pigs. And he did. Brothers and sisters, this is what the gospel ministry is like. Jesus had forged a bridgehead, but he's still invading this world today in his church, by his ministers, in the preaching of the gospel, and in the power of the kingdom, which he came to inaugurate. And he did indeed inaugurate it, redemptive judgment. For us, it's freedom. And we praise him and call upon all creatures here below and above to praise the Lord as a result of the work of Jesus. And that is our meditation today. Let's pray. Almighty God, our great Father, in Jesus Christ, your only Son, the Son of the Most High God, we've seen your marvelous works of redemption. And we praise you in his name. We pray, O Lord, that his kingdom will be established more and more, and even uh, redeeming all of your your children, that we may uh, all together praise you here below for your marvelous work. 
Be merciful to your people, O Lord, and be, uh, be quick to show your mercy and extend your kingdom of rule uh, and bring upon that last day, O Lord, where you will establish a kingdom that will shine forever, of which we will be a part in resurrection. And may your name be praised and glorified until then, O Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Copyright Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and that you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.